1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy. Sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Class with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And Ron, today's show, as always, the last Friday of the month, the 28th of February, Freerider Friday.
2: Elite month, Ed, right?
1: It is, well, yeah, it's Elite elite month, I guess, because it'll be tomorrow funny thing i actually saw this on facebook i think it might have been just a just s- something that somebody mocked up and it wasn't a real thing but there was there was a uh a gallon of milk that was bought at a store that had february 30th as the sell-by date <laughs> <laughs>
3: excellent and,
1: yeah i was like well so i guess it doesn't go bad ever it's it, yeah it's it's it's, it's good it's, milk it's, it's it's perpetual it's going it's good forever and my wife is one of these folks she she if, if it's if the date is expired she's like you know gets rid of it immediately out of the out of the fridge i'm like honey it says sell by it doesn't say consume by she's like nope it's bad it's bad <laughs> yeah. yeah if it's expired it must be bad well you know <laughs> so i attempted I, I was tempted to see if i could find a gallon of that milk oh no it's gonna be good forever Denver expires so, February thirtieth, but that's not what I had on my my Free Rider Friday list, Ron. There's just so much to talk about.
2: No, Ed, I'm loaded for bear, so let's dive in. What do you got? I mean,
1: and we could even probably avoid politics, even though that's the huge thing in the news. So that's we, the crazy. We, I thing.
2: will avoid politics.
1: Okay, I've so got like so you, much other stuff. I know this really, really quite, quite impressive. Well, I'm going to start here with a quote from of a, of somebody who's quoting somebody else, right? So it's, it's it's a meta quote. And as you know, one of our former guests, Don Boudreau, great guest, I think on a daily basis he does a quotation of the day on yeah. his Cafe Hayek yeah site, which is fantastic. And he is quoting Thomas Soul another former guest of the soul of enterprise. So I'm already driving our social media person crazy. He's like, okay, I got two shows that I've got a plug already. And okay. Uh, (laughs) But so, so Thomas soul, and I know this is one of your favorite books of his, his 1980 book, knowledge and decisions. Yeah. And you often quote the opening line, which is what Boudreaux is quoting here. Ideas are everywhere, but knowledge is rare. Yep. And I just want to talk a little bit, not about that quote per se, but about Boudreaux's then commentary on it, which I think is just fantastic. And Boudreaux goes on to say We humans should be thankful for the fertility of our imaginations and the power of our minds, but we should also have a more sober appreciation than many of us have for these blessings. Among the the most common of human errors is to make the mistake, is to mistake ideas for knowledge. It's no great achievement for a human being to get into his or her head some beautiful idea about how society or the economy should be organized or run. And because one's ideas aren't constrained by the most, most of the scarcities that are inescapable in reality, one's ideas are always at risk of being un- unrealistic. One of the rarest ideas is the idea that ideas are not knowledge. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> bang. <Yeah>. Mind blown. <laughs>
2: yep. That's good.
1: I'm like, bring yeah. it on, Donnie. That, that is, that's some awesome stuff right there. So I'll say that again slowly. One of the rarest ideas is the idea that ideas are not knowledge. So, and this is of course the, the quote of, of, from what Sol was saying. And I know this is one of your favorite quotes of his.
2: Yeah, no, I, it's sold. Goes through this whole thing about the difference between an idea and knowledge. You know, it's it's been falsified. Knowledge has been falsified and tested. You know, whether it's market tested or just experience tested. And it's just I've got that whole quote in Mind Over Matter somewhere. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you that Knowledge and Decisions book is a mind blowing book. It really mm-hmm. is. I mean, it, it Soul thinks it's his best book. Yep. And that tells you something, <laughs> guys. Written. Yep. All- some 50 books or something and he thinks that's his his best one so it is it's worth reading and he's expanded it okay in a later edition yeah in a later edition so your mind and i and i've read both now and they just both blow my mind yeah (laughs) yeah
1: boudreau finishes let me just finish this with saying the world has far more ideas than it has knowledge and despite the dreams and implicit assumptions of utopians of all stripes Ideas never spontaneously spawn the knowledge necessary for them to work in reality, nor are ideas substitutes for knowledge. So
2: right, they've got to be tested. Yeah. Got to be tested. Markets are great at, you know, you can have ideas in a socialist economy, but they don't get you very far, but here you can, you have the freedom to explore those ideas and turn them into something useful.
1: Yeah, and it it's it's really been really interesting as we we go through this. One other thing that hit my desk t- today was was something that was pointed out that you know the 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 the, the Democrats are are not, and I said I wasn't going to get to politics, but I will because I'll relate it back to this. Is that the, the Democrats are saying, "Hey, well, we don't want Pence in charge of the the coronavirus thing," right. <laughs> but also Democrats, we, we we want we want you know national health care. Yeah. And i like, wait, wait a minute. You think about that for a second, right? You can't, they said, well, but we want people who are actually know what they're doing in charge. Sure. O- okay, yeah. but recall that once you politicize it, once you make it into something that is run by the government, it is de facto political. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't, you can't, well, well, well. we don't want it this way. Oh, I know what you want, but it's, that's not how it's going to play out.
2: <laughs> now, you're <laughs> too logical, Ed.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And then I, I, I try, I'll try to you know say, hey, is isn't the school system politicized? And they'll say, yeah. Well, what makes you think that it, that's going to change because it's healthcare?
2: know yeah. so. Nope. So true.
1: Good stuff. So, well, thanks uh, to Don Boudreau for bringing bringing up the great the great Thomas Sowell and making us think more as usual.
2: Absolutely. Well, I had add hat tip to our Verisage colleague, uh, Paul Dunn, for sending me the following two articles that are related but Panera beat Starbucks to it for 8.99 a month you can get an un- ultimate bottomless cup of coffee subscription
1: subscription Up- coffee, coffee it had and to tea.
2: <laughs> you can have one cup every two hours every two hours it's the only otherwise it's unlimited okay and, uh you can order through the app online or in the store this starts March 2nd Get this, Ed. Panera had 150 test locations over the last three months mm-hmm. and saw subscribers visit three times more frequently and purchase 70% more in add-on items than the average customer. They are the first nationwide restaurant to offer a coffee subscription. And um, their tests in ForeMarket showed a 90% over 90% retention rate. So, you know, (laughs) I'm sitting here with my mouth agape. (laughs) First off, you know, and we've talked about this on the show. I can't believe Starbucks hasn't done this. I really can't there. I've never had Panera coffee, but um, I I can't believe Starbucks hasn't done this because it's just such a, this just, it's a loyalty generator. It's a direct relationship. And, you know, I just got in an argument with somebody yesterday about how it would be irresponsible for an accounting firm to offer a subscription to itself rather than services. And I tell you, I was biting my tongue really hard, Mm -hmm. but it's like you have, just open up your eyes and look out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, this distinction between a product and a service is obsolete. GE sells airline engines and yet their subscription model develops a a direct relationship with the customer. This isn't just a product thing. It's a business thing. It's a relationship thing. Direct with uh, the consumer, whether that consumer is a business or an individual, doesn't matter. Same principle. The second thing he sent us, before.
1: Well, before you before you leave that, and, and we might have to take take this in this in the second the second segment because I want to ask you a question about this this first thing. I my, my guess is the person would reply, "Well, the, see, they're just offering the subscription to coffee, not to their sandwiches." It,
2: yes, or it's a product that the Porsche right. passport. That's a product, it's not a. What about concierge doctors? Is that a service? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like we only offer so many things as well. In in an accounting firm, whether you're solo, no, or we're full service, court. Ron. We're full Well, service. I know. And and look, it, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have some things carve out. I understand if you're doing a you know five million or ten million CRM installation or ERP, and I get that, I get that. Mm-hmm. But other, but to think that this is just uh, not applicable because of those exceptions that you can point to is absurd. It, yeah. it, it shows you how important unlearning is and how what made you successful in the past will not make you successful in the future. Mm-hmm. In fact, it'll hold you back. Um, yeah. The second thing, Ed, is US Diaper, D Y P E R. Um, you can now compost your baby's diapers through subscription. <laughs> this is out of. <laughs> yeah this, I think this is a fast company and uh, 20 billion disposable diapers are tossed into the trash annually in the United States. That's three and a half million tons and diaper this company will compost it. Uh, they provide bags and specially designed boxes that meet and I love this United Nations hazmat shipping standards. <laughs> Well,
1: um, okay. Okay. Since it meets the United Nations standards, Ron. That's good. I'm in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So re diaper, this program is called is cost $39 a month on top of the regular diaper subscription, which is $68 for a four week supply. Um, and the, one of the company spokesman says, we are not the, le- we're not the least expensive. We're not the most expensive. We've got 15,000 subscribers. And uh, you know, a good good retention rate. Company is growing about 10% month over month. We rarely get price pushback. It's the first national diaper composting program in the US. So along with Greg, our social media guy's firewood subscription, you can now compost <laughs> your diapers.
1: God bless. It's just it's what a world. What a world. That's just <laughs> just totally awesome and you know here's the thing that is that that is a great idea because that's that's in line with all of the people having kids who are are are, are you know far more woke than i was i i was i mean i'm just i would just wanted to just survive early parenthood right that's right. that's all i was looking to do
2: and, and i when i read this i'm like i would be too lazy to do this you know go out and get a box and you have to ship it and all this stuff but you know people are doing it and i
1: no i'm sure i'm sure cuz they the people it's it's it, they want to feel feel uh, good about themselves and i got no problem with that i think that's great I, they, well the the per, the person I, I know we we've talked this about the bonus episode but but uh bridget fettsy who's my 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 new person that i listen to her her crazy podcast that you're not mm-hmm. a, a fan of and find her annoying which she is i totally admit but she, she has this, this section of her, her show that she always does, and it's called hashtag capitalism always wins. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: you you know, this kind of goes back to, uh, it, it's Howard Hansen that made, makes this point, right. That it's going to be entrepreneurs that, that, solve mm-hmm. some of these big problems and this is a classic example of it and well it really is a classic th-
1: example of it and it, what's so great about it is is if this were a government program what would it, oh. it would have been like okay what you have to do is here's what you need to do you need to say separate out the diapers into a separate can and then what we'll do is then we'll send a truck out every third thursday of the month that will pick up the diapers from your and no oh. you yep. And and oh by the way, then we'll let, let's let's make everybody contribute to this and pay. Shouldn't this this is a societal good? So shouldn't everyone pay, Ron? Shouldn't, <laughs> you know, Ron, shouldn't you have to pay for this as well? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a public good, Ed.
1: <laughs> I know. It's a public good preservation. All right, well, we're already over, but want to remind you you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask T S O E at Verisage.com. Of course the website is the soul of where you can find our show notes and previews to upcoming shows as well as our archive page which contains all 280 of our previous shows but right now a word from our sponsor become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
3: For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now.
0: We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of February. And Ed, we got two more in the subscription file. So what's up for you next?
1: No. Oh, okay. So I thought you
2: had two more after that. No, no, that. I was no, like, no, wow, no. okay. <laughs> Composting diapers is that, – that's it. That's, I'll stop. That,
1: you'll stop there. You're going <laughs> to stop you're, there. You're going to make that one good for now. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, let me talk about this one. This is uh, from Reason. This is about state regulations in hospitals. We, we, we've done a lot on the show recently with the medical profession, Keith Smith, and uh, Dr. Paul from Plum Health in South Detroit. And so it's something that we're always p- paying attention to. And this is something that I've been aware of, but this article from Reason really drove it home to me. And this is about this notion of what are called certificates of need. And, I, oh. and this is one of those, those, those things in the healthcare industry that not many people are aware of. But this and is on other, the- Other on-
2: industries too.
1: Yes, other industries too, including like, uh, I think, moving companies. Taxis. um, Taxis, um, exactly. Yep, that kind of thing. So certificates needs, or I love this, or CON laws. (laughs) C-O-N. There you go. Tough acronym to follow. But these are on the books in 36 states. And effectively, what these laws state is, if I want to open a hospital or even add a wing to my own, my current hospital or a, another floor or convert a floor of my hospital that was administrative into more beds, I have to have a certificate of need that is approved of by, get this, the other hospitals, hospitals. In, the, in, the, in the jurisdiction. Right.
2: And Ed, correct me um, if I'm wrong, <laughs> even if you want to add technology like an MRI machine it's not just a wing with beds it's mm-hmm. it applies even to technology that's that's correct isn't it
1: and and even certain
2: treatments so yeah. this is one yeah. in michigan michigan so this is the from the
1: article now in michigan for example the state certificate of need commission voted last year to restrict which hospitals could offer a promising form of cancer treatment <laughs>
2: I, it'd be like going to the local pizza parlors and say, "Hey, do we need another pizza joint in town?" Yeah. It, it, so I, therefore, I
1: we can make crappy pizza because guess what? If they want to open another pizza joint that might be better, we can have crappy pizza.
2: Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like uh, Burger King having to get McDonald's permission, or you know, or or Wendy's or to open up. It, it, I just. And, and those have a dampering effect on competition, pricing, quality, all innovation, all of Just, that stuff. just,
1: just yet another major distortion of the free price system in healthcare. Yeah, and, and this it's is a the big ex- one. Yeah, and and uh, so I've been using this example. I think we talked a little bit about this because when we had uh, w- when we had Dr. Dr. Keith Smith on, I think yeah. I mentioned that my wife was going in for surgery, and 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 you know she she's since since had it. Well, I finally you know and, and it was almost a, a an experiment. I hate to to say that, but you know my wife is doing well, so that's the most important thing clearly but the, the so here's the deal so th- i think it's roughly $50,000 in the explanation of benefits were w- with what was actually charged and this is all all in total for everything s- thus far for this surgery so it's 50 if you look at the eobs the mm-hmm. explanation of benefits is 50k the allowable was like 20k that's according to the insurance. And then what, of course, we're out of pocket is something like, and again, this is all rough numbers, is like 2K. So, right. the, so the question is, which number, when they cite, we have the most expensive health care in the world, in OECD nations, blah, 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 what number are they using?
2: Well, you know, that's a fascinating question because, you know, what the, what, what percent of your revenue is uncompensated? Right. The uncompensated
1: make, care conversation. Right? right.
2: And that makes me believe since the GDP is calculated based on these Census Bureau data reports that come off of financial statements, it could very well be the inflated number. I, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I thought one of Russ Roberts guests talked. No, about I, I'm
1: going to I'm going to tell you it is the 50K.
2: It is the 50K.
1: It is the 50K. So my point being, and look, I I get on one data point, but I challenge all of the people hearing my voice who have this kind of insurance situation, go to your explanation of benefits. And most even minor procedures, but certainly any major procedures, you're going to see this repeated over and over and over again. This huge disparity between the allowed charge or what was actually charged, and then the the allowed charges from the insurance company, and you can you can bet your butt that this thirty thousand dollar difference is pure accounting fiction.
2: Yeah, that's a shadow price. It's absurd, and, and they do that, I guess, so the hospitals can say, see, we've contributed X amount of free medical care. Uncompensated care. Uncompensated care, care to, and, you know it's part of their tax-free Benny status that they've gotten, and for the trade-off of having to admit all ER, you know, not being able to turn any away from an ER room or mm-hmm. deny care to anybody, yeah, no, it's it's a, but yeah, that certificate of need that's bugged me, and that's been in place for quite a while.
1: Oh, um, it's it's been quite yeah, quite some time. But the the and they and they keep. I think the '80s is when it really started to to uh, get big, right? They were they were there for a while, but they they're just they've just exploded since then. And I, look, it can, we continue to 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 have this conversation with people. And the, who say, well, you can see what the free
2: market did in healthcare? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, the unfettered, unfettered free market. Yeah, well, <laughs> it sounds pretty fettered to me. Yeah, it's
1: pretty fettered. <laughs> it's very fettered. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, with u- Uber fettered.
2: Oh boy! All right. Wow. Well, speaking of lack of innovation um, and just doing things because we've always done it that way. It's out of The Economist, February 15th edition, residential property is worth $34 trillion in this country. That's as much value as it's all of our publicly listed firms. We trade roughly one and a half trillion of that every year, in, you know, sales. And yet compared to other countries, not OECD though, Ed, just other countries, <laughs> Buying and selling is extraordinarily cumbersome in this country and expensive. Um, We have some of the highest commissions, five to 6%, which are three times the average level in other developed countries. Um, In last year, they amounted those commissions amounted to $75 billion. That's 0.4% of our GDP. And what the economist is saying is about this is, uh, you look, other marketplaces have been, you know, totally transformed by, by technology. Right. Uh, but not this sector, uh, America still has 2 million realtors. And even though there's outfits like Zillow and Redfin and they've made some inroads, they still, it, it, this market still operates like it was in the 19th century. You know, Teen recently made this point about commercial real estate as well, because I guess Sora signed a new lease contract. Uh, it's in one of his newsletters. I've got it in the stack. We'll talk about it on a bonus probably. But um, w- what they point out is, you know, these multiple listing services. The trustbusters started to look into those in 2008, and they're they're doing so again. And they want to make sure that the private firms that help run those multiple listing services um, don't just steer clients towards properties with higher fees built into them, or that they're not unfairly restricted. So, and there's even two big class action suits underway against the industry, the multiple listing. Um, so the economists look, the best test of whether the regulators succeed is if you see commission rates fall towards levels in the rest of the rich world. Uh, some $6 billion of venture capital flowed into prop tech firms this year, or last year, I'm sorry, 2019. Um, and they're arguing that, hey, just competition can make America's property market work better. It is kind of weird when you think about it, that that 6%, 5 to 6% hasn't really come down. I know there's ways to, to lessen it. And I know you can negotiate privately and usually get a better deal from a realtor, but by and large, that's what we're paying. And it does seem to be greater than the rest of the world.
1: And maybe, and maybe our service is better. Maybe the things that they do. The, I, I have less of a problem with the, the, the realtors because I, I, I know some people who do realty and they sure. work their butts off. I mean- They do.
2: They, and they know they, their market. They have that local knowledge, yep. right? That yeah. I talked about that. Yeah. That the, the knowledge of time and place and locality. And I, I don't discount that. And I'm not sure I'd try and sell a house without a realtor or, or buy one, especially mm-hmm. if I was in an unfamiliar area. It, it, it just, just from an economic standpoint, when you see a market that has such rigid pricing,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: you, you, you go, you, you, you nod your head and go, hmm, that's interesting. You know, yeah, there's some tacit collusion, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that usually means there's barriers to entry. And it, that could very well be the case here.
1: Well, to, to me, though, the bigger, the bigger thing in, in, in real estate and i don't know if you if you have this in california but we have it in texas the the, the title search yeah yeah right yep.
2: have you have
1: you said i mean i i was in we did a refi a couple of years ago why, why why the hell do i have to cut a big check to this title search guy i'm the, <laughs> I'm yeah. the only person to ever <laughs> own this house we bought it brand new and we're doing a refi on it. Like, what did you think? Like, we had this underhanded deal where I sold it to somebody else on the QT before. I mean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in some states, Ed, you have to have a lawyer do the reconveyance or some of the contract work. And that's a big scam as well. You talk oh, about surgeon piercing ears, you know. Um, yep. So, Yeah. But and I, it, it, And both times it was it was this guy who was
1: just sat in the corner when we bought the house initially, which I, again, I don't understand the title search because it was brand new construction, but that's enough right And it, was, it just sits in the corner and you're like, okay, write him a check I like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah like, I hear you. <laughs> well Ed, this is flying by and folks would like to remind you if you want to contact Ed or me, do so, send us an email ask TSOe at varsage.com. We will have full show notes on the soul of including upcoming shows that we have planned and you can go out to rate this slash TSOE and give us a rating and please go to Apple podcasts and give us a rating and we will read it on the air if you write anything. And now we want to hear from our sponsors.
1: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com.
0: And back on the soul
1: of Enterprise, talking free rider Friday. Ron, this is uh, one that I, I just got just before we came on the air. A story dated the 27th of February from the LA Times. This is about uh, Flippy, the burger flipping robot, ah. taking over the, the fast food kitchens. Okay. And this is being tested in downtown Pasadena. Uh, Flippy can you know makes makes uh, patties and fries and all of the things necessary for a lot of for burger joint the off the shelf arm that flippy came from it was was more than $100,000 in 2016 this is a company called miso robotics when mm-hmm. they first launched this today that same product is $10,000 and cheaper models are coming in the future wow yep So as a result, and this is quoting from the story now, Miso can offer Flippies to fast food restaurant owners for an estimated $2,000 per month on a subscription subscription basis. (laughs) Breaking this down to $3 per hour. That's a lot less than minimum wage. Actual cost will depend upon the customer's specific needs. The human doing the same job costs $4,000 to $10,000 or more per month depending upon the restaurant's hours and the local minimum wage laws and they felt a, a need to call this out and robots never call in sick they do break down so that that is true they don't they don't call in sick but they do break down uh, they don't usually also uh, contaminate food by sneezing on it either which is yeah, yeah. another <laughs> kind of plus but really more on this But never worry, never fear. There's a solution to this, and this is the second story that I'm going back-to-back on because this is from February 26th, and a fee article. Uh, Don't worry, the neo-Luddites are are moving in, and there is now a war on the self-checkouts. And, yep, this is is going to happen. So we have the modern-day Luddites here trying to come in. Uh, and petition, an Oregon uh, AFL-CIO-backed petition, limits the number of self-checkouts to two per store. Jeez. So this is dear, ear. Wow. <laughs> Government to the rescue again. again. Yep. <laughs> but the neo-Luddites, I love that, coming in to take care of this. I, it's like this is going to stop it you know i i, I don't know we, I, we've told this i think apocryphal story about the, the 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 origin of the word sabotage and the saboteurs and the sabots taking their their shoes off and right, breaking right. up the 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 machinery and i think it was believe it or not the netherlands near france right right or no no it was france but near the netherlands because the netherlands are, are the ones the dutch are famous for their yeah. wood shoes yeah but, it, but this happened to be on the, the French side of wherever. And I usually tell that story and say, and to this day, it's wonderful if you go to that little quaint town. All of the mills are still there in production, not using any mass-produced looms. Right. And everybody looks at me. And I'm like, no, that's not true. They totally <laughs> did You know. But, you know, here's the point. So we got Flippy, the burger robot, on subscription for three bucks an hour. But don't worry, we'll fix this because we'll limit you to only like one Flippy per restaurant. I mean, what like, what? what
2: are they going to do? You know, <laughs> in SFO, they have a machine that's got a, a robot barista. And I forget the name of the coffee company. You can, your first cup is free. You can, try, you can try a cup of cup. But it's pretty cool. It it's there and it makes your coffee to order. And um, that's pretty neat. But, yeah. you, you know, just on that, I mean, the self-checkout thing, it, uh, have you been into a big box store lately? Yeah. Okay. These yeah. are a pain. It, you know, we will- self-checkout? About, no, no, not self-checkout. Oh, the, okay. The service itself, <laughs> the, the self-checkout's oh, okay. great because I have control over it. And mm-hmm. I can, you know, and I can get out of there. It's having to re- rely on a human in a big box store. First off, you gotta find one. Now, you have to find this big box store that that will shall remain remain nameless because they don't you know advertise on our Target. show, but they're but no, they're uh, their color is I'm orange kidding. and their initials are H D, and you can't find a person to help you. I had to walk around three quarters of the store to find somebody, that because what I needed was up in their rafters. So they've got to mm-hmm. get the that hand you know, or the electronic ladder, and they got to close off the aisle. I mean, this is, and I'm, <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting there watching this, going, "Is there, is there no better explanation for why Amazon is kicking your butt?" We're
1: just gonna ask why didn't you just order the thing on Amazon,
2: Ron? I because they didn't have them. Really? Yeah, that's a shock. And and but but I'll tell you, I didn't think it was gonna be that big of a production, but it was. It I was in there for like thirty minutes, and the only blessing was the self service checkout. (laughs) Because I just I you know we compete against any organization that has the ability to raise your customers' expectations. And I'm telling you right now, the gold standard for me is Amazon. Mm -hmm. And like your, I don't know if you do home delivery of like groceries from your local store, but my local delivery who shall also remain nameless, but is you know, initials are SW sucks. Their website is awful. The whole experience just is terrible relative to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Relative to me going to the store, I love it, but, right. but, but that's not the standard I hold it to. The standard I hold it to is Amazon. Mm-hmm. And until we understand that, man, we, Amazon's had a massive impact on raising people's expectations of what good service is.
1: You know, it's funny. There was a, an article that I saw that did not make it into my stack, but it was was about basically about that. That's and this one guy in Connecticut, this this I think a, a congressperson from Connecticut complaining about Amazon, and because the the problem is with Amazon, he said is that their service is too good.
2: They're good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's, and their so their service is so good that they're going to become a monopoly, and then they're going to not have good service.
2: I mean, yeah, own the world. It's so stupid, you, you know, and it's what Bezos says in his shareholder letters. He says, you know, a business can be different centered. You, know, you can be process centered or innovation centered. He says, Amazon is customer centric. Everything we do, process, system, everything is backwards from the customer. And that that is so evident when you or just, we take so much for granted with Amazon. The one click, the, you know, there's no website issues with Amazon ever, mm-hmm. whether you're mobile or whatever device you're using, it's flawless. That's not the case with other places.
1: I've had to return something to Amazon. I think once. And I've been buying from Amazon a long time.
2: Interesting. I haven't had that happen yet, but um, yeah, they're <clears> just, they're just great. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hat tip to, uh, Robert Wood for sending, sending me this, but I'm sure you saw this too, as I did. Um, Bob Iger steps down as Disney CEO and I bring yes. this up because I know you were watching his strategy on that video mm-hmm. series. Yep. Um, whatever it's called master. What's it called? Master class. Yeah. Master class. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, Bob Chappick is replacing him as CEO. Now, Bob Ch- Chapic was served as chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. But Robert sent me an email a couple days before this happened. And he said, you know, Disney is cutting their budget in their parks. They're actually cutting back on the number of characters and the time that they should and, and the allotted time that they spend in various parks. This is Walt Disney World. And it just now I'm not saying Chappick is a bean counter. I'm not sure what he is. I don't know if he's got a finance background or not, but this is the type of thing that is just a red flag to me. Whenever the accountants or the finance types or the budget types take over because they start immediately looking for places to cut. And when you cut the characters out of a Disney park, you diminish the experience dramatically, right? For the kids, um, I mean, I think Walt would be turning in his grave. But the whole, the whole Iger thing stepping down is um, is, is is really interesting. Now he's going to leave the company for good when his contract's up in twenty twenty one. He's been with the company for forty five years, and right. he's been in the top spot for fifteen of those years. But in reading about this Ed, there was something else that was that was fascinating. And and Robert sent me this too. But um, you know, Iger was the one that put in Disney Plus and they picked a price point of $7.99 a month. Now that's cheaper than some of their competition, right? Netflix, whatever, $12.99 or whatever it is. Um, And what they said was, but they looked at the outcome for Disney as a whole. The higher price would have meant fewer customers And given the multiple, the multitude of ways that Disney has to monetize customers throughout the entire lives of, you know, the entire customer life, that would have been a poor trade-off to make. In other words, yeah, sure. They could have charged what Netflix charged or whatever, but they Mm -hmm. decided to go lower to get more subscribers because they just have so many more opportunities. And that's, you got to think about that when you're pricing, you got to think holistically, you know, systems thinking, right? Mm-hmm. and i i just thought that was a that was a really really cool thing it, it it concluded by saying disney plus's full potential comes not from beating netflix but rather from making Disney as a whole far stronger and more integrated
1: yeah and there's two two things about your the story that you just listened to that i want to mention we'll we'll try to get it in here quickly before the break the the, the first is i was surprised that disney plus did not have more than one option mm-hmm when it when it first launched, I would have thought that that was something they probably would have would have done. So I'm curious as to where this goes. I wonder if that was a that was a strategy that they I think you'll had the in-
2: options in the future. Because I think they, you know they've got yeah. ESPN right now. They're bundling ESPN along with yeah. something else they have. But I think you yeah. might see that broken out into options in the future.
1: Correct. So it's it's possible that 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 that, that changes over time. But uh, but I, I was curious that they didn't go to market with that. And let me just 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 make a quick devil's advocate position for reducing the number of characters in the park. Okay. And and that is just to say it's it's possible. I'm just throwing this out there, speculation, idle speculation on my my part. That one of the challenges is that because the, the Disney has moved on, and you know, Walt died in what 1966. Yeah. I think just, be, just before I was born actually. Yep. And he, it, 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 it's very possible that there's, there's just too many dang characters. And, and that the, the it, it's, it's gotten to the point where it, it causes confusion that there are so many characters involved in the, in the park. I'm just throwing it out there as possibility. It could be. I'm not saying,
2: but that's not the only budget cut they made. They also reduced the hours of like guest information and guest services offices which I, I don't know. I just think I, Yeah, that's I think weird that's, that's weird, weird to me. Because they're so gas centric. And mm-hmm. you know, they start they start letting budgets drive this. And I could just, you know, this used to drive Walt nuts. You know, he's like yeah. we should be out there plussing the park, trying to make it a better experience. So. speaking of which, and just, just on that, the the the
1: series that's on the parks it that's on Disney Plus is outstanding highly recommend it yeah
2: yeah in fact i've got you know bob iger's book uh is supposed Mm -hmm. to be killer too i've got it i haven't read it yet but that that looks like a good read
1: all right well we better better get to our break ron because we're otherwise our our last segment is going to be extraordinarily short so please do go out to ratethispodcast.com slash T-S-O-E to rate our podcast. I want to also remind you about our Patreon site where you can listen to the shows uninterrupted without commercials and also our bonus episodes where we do more free writing but also sometimes extend the guests that we have on. So we'd love to have you as a part of that. We've been doing some rethinking about what's going to be included in Patreon. So get, get there today before we start making changes to that and increase the price of our subscription. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage.
0: us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package price market and deliver additional services to clients increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients let sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com
3: have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a five dollar ebook that you were willing to pay ten dollars to never hear it again i sure have Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe to today please for the love of god make it stop
2: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business
0: network We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
1: Free riding on Friday on The Soul of Enterprise, 28th of February, so that's what we do run, I have got a short one here because I want to toss it back over to you and make sure that we keep this even. you know we're, we're very into metrics and and making sure that we have even fairness and fairness. Fairness. fairness it's all about fairness
2: <laughs> And, and in alignment
1: in alignment with that and I got I got something on on the on the subject of diversity okay yeah you know, which I know is also one of our favorite topics. However, this one is from a gentleman that you and I both admire, but he has done some crazy things, and that is Tom Peters. Mm-hmm. And this is a tweet that he, he put out recently, and, and he said this, and I was, I was like right on Tom. Uh, Tom Peters, every team in the world is very diverse. Think of symphonies or sports teams or classrooms. The good conductors slash coaches slash teachers treat every member differently every day.
2: Go, Tom Peters. Yeah, yeah. Look at the United States military. Yeah, it's diverse.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Every team yep. has got great diversity.
1: And and we- this is a, a follow on to to a thing that happened today. My my daughter was participating in the all uh, regional choir, and she had that. And there was a concert, half hour concert, and one. And since this is all of the the different. Grammar schools, or they call them elementary schools. I say grammar schools. I'm an East Coast guy. Uh, come, come together, and they 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 pick a certain number of kids from each school, et cetera, for this this all district choir. Well, they had at one point they had the, the, the they they had all of the the teachers please stand up and you know be be applauded from from all of the different elementary schools, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to say that it was mm, twenty of them at least white women between the ages of 35 and 50. And I'm thinking, well, that's not very diverse now, is it? <laughs> but who cares? Because I, I assume that what they did, what they were offering was again, this diversity of, of thought, which cognitive. I hope is
2: what's happening. Yeah, so. Cognitive diversity. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know, you know, when you start bean counting things like that, you can, you can find, quote-unquote discrimination anytime you start bean counting things but it's meaningless
1: mm-hmm.
2: without you know the cognitive diversity i yeah it's good good point mr peters
1: yeah he nailed it he nailed that one
2: okay uh, this is out of reason this is a former guest our first guest on the soul of enterprise deirdre no. deirdre <laughs> Deirdre, this is out of the March 2020 issue, and it's Steal This Intellectual Property. You know, uh, (laughs) Abby Hoffman in 1971 wrote that book, Steal This Book. Yep, yep. (laughs) Apparently, he made a fortune off the royalties, so it didn't didn't work. It didn't work, but she says, I want you to steal what the lawyers self-interestedly call intellectual property. I want the Chinese to steal our intellectual property so that consumers worldwide get stuff cheaply. I want everybody to steal every idea, book, chemical, formula, Stephen Foster lyric, all of it, steal, steal, steal. You have my official economic permission. (laughs) An idea after it is produced has no opportunity cost. If, If one more person reads Hamlet, there's no less of it available for the next person. And here's, and here's what I thought was, was interesting. She says, there's no trick solution that works qualitatively, such as have a patent system. Too bad. Life is hard. But the rules that apply to property with an opportunity cost simply don't apply to ideas. And that, that is about the most compelling case I think you can make to overturning the IP laws, such as patent and copyright, which, by the way, are embedded in our Constitution, Mm-hmm. Yes, so they are. This is not this is not a constitutional proposal on her part, but you know, I I think it's a worthwhile experiment to ease up on some of the stuff. You know, I've been I've always had a raised eyebrow about what would happen to pharmaceutical innovation if you got rid of the patents. But given given the market as it is and how it's regulated and how expensive it is to get there, if we didn't have that. I, I do think there is something to this idea that hey, ideas we should be able to build on them.
1: So let's explore this for just a second. We've got a, got a couple of minutes left on the on the show because as as an author, and you've often said this, you want you want your books out there. You want. You yeah, want, I want people, people to, to steal be, my books. You want people to steal your books. You, 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 were not into when you know. I think Amazon first came out, and you, and your, your books were not available on Kindle, and it was all of this crazy thing, and and or Google Books, right?
2: Google they, Books. They and, sent and out they, a,
1: sent out a takedown notice and all of this stuff for you.
2: Yep yeah, the the publisher was involved. They were one of the publishers that was involved in the class action lawsuit against Google. I could opt in, opt out. I opted out. I want my books on Google Books. I want people to be able to access them and read them. Uh, because that's not my business model now. Ed, if I was John Grisham or JK Rowling or Tom Clancy, or yeah, you know, I might have a different attitude, right? Right? I mean, but you know, in publishing, the top 1% make the bulk of the revenue, right? And the bulk of the profit, most books fail. Mm-hmm. But, but do you want people to take your
1: book and slap buy Ed Kless on it and make it available? <sighs>
2: You know that that's uh, that's interesting. Because um, if you know. say
1: okay, I'm doing it
2: No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's interesting. I, I I think you'd have some direct redress just against plagiarism. I now I don't know if plagiarism is technically a tort. It's certainly right. an academic. Is it related
1: offense. to copyright? Uh, you know. I,
2: you yeah, know. it could be a tort, and I would have recourse against you, maybe in in a court, you know, civil a civil suit. And especially something that flagrant. But like when you have a song, you know, that uses a note or part of another tune, you know, and there's been lawsuits all over on that, right? Oh, it's
1: ridiculous. Yeah, they're ridiculous now.
2: Yeah. It's that type of thing that I think she's getting at. And she's she's saying it would foster innovation. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, but you want to, you know, cause a conflagration in a think tank just... (laughs) Talk about how should we reform, if at all, IP? You know, there and, you go. you'll get fifty million ideas and debates on each side, and and this is tough issue. It is a tough issue, but I think her her point um, should be tested. Would be interesting to see. Would be interesting it would be. to see. It all right. Be. So, all right, Ed. What uh, I guess we're this. Oh, wow, this just flew by. Yep. So, as always. What are we doing next
1: week? Next week, we're going to do placebo and no placebo effect. The placebo <laughs> and the nocebo. The nocebo
2: effect. That's right. All That's right. right. I look forward to it. I'll see you in 167 hours.
1: This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.